Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And I'm back. Another episode of Start Apostle and the fifth part of the Corona Diaries. Now, today is hopefully my last full day in Cebu. I'm getting ready to depart on a morning flight out of here in which I will have to fly through Tokyo, then Seattle, and then hopefully to Kansas City. Now, I got to admit, my departure is very bittersweet. Um, I'm very excited to come home. I'm very excited to see my family. Um, I'm also, you know, pretty emotional about leaving. Um, I mean, to keep it real, you know, the way things are rapidly changing. I mean, part of me wonders and hopes that I'm coming back. Um, you know, I, I, well, and I'm going to share a lot of the the business and other planning. I mean, uh, shit's changing pretty quickly right now. Um, you know, it's, it's also hard to, uh, to leave, uh, knowing that the majority of my business is here and that so much of it is looking to me for leadership. Now I, I look back at my leadership experience here and, and I think I'll continue to look back at it down the road, regardless of what the outcome is of all of this. And I, you know, will realize that I was challenged, um, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a parent and as a person. And I feel that I will be comfortable that I lived up to the challenges. So one of the things that's making it a lot more palatable to actually leave is that we decided to actually physically close the full scale office till at least April 6th. Uh, wanted to encourage additional social distancing. We found some cost cutting measures with that, which were appreciated at the time. Um, and then also really in the end, uh, I think the sooner we all go lock ourselves up for a little bit, the sooner we can get past this. So getting ready to leave is interesting because the Philippines has already canceled all domestic travel and meaning flights from the Philippines to the Philippines. And I skated just inside the lines because on the 20th of March, which is the day after I depart, they have canceled all outbound international travel. So at the same time, that gives me a very thin margin of error to work within, meaning if for any reason my flight is postponed, I'm in trouble. Uh, I mean, and I'm stuck here now. <laughs> To add a little uh, mystery to all of that, in Manila, they have stopped allowing people to book hotels, meaning if you weren't booked, I have no idea why they're doing this, but if you didn't have a reservation prior, 
you can't make one. Now that's not currently the case in Cebu, but it seems as if Cebu's usually a day or two behind, it also could be mandated. So theoretically, I could wake up tomorrow, I could go to the airport, and it's kind of a coin toss or a wild card. If for some reason my plane, if I miss the flight, if meaning like if I got stuck and I don't know, I'm going to the airport early. That's all I know, people. I'm, I'm literally checking out of the hotel that I've already paid for tonight. And I'm going, I got another hotel at one right next to the airport because they, they have health checks here. Um, it's, it's getting, it's getting weird people. And I'm worried about my ability to get to the airport, to get checked in and to deal with all of that, uh, within a time frame that makes sense. So if I theoretically, if, if Cebu follows the same things that Manila does and I were to, and they ban the ability to check into a hotel, if I were to miss my flight, I would legitimately be homeless. Um, which gotta be honest, it's kind of scary. So, you know, in, in regards to that, I, I feel that just getting on that, that first flight and seeing it leave Cebu despite the bittersweet feelings is then entering a anxiety gauntlet for the next 25 hours or more of travel. So as quickly as things changed, I did notice yesterday that Hong Kong has disallowed or required mandatory quarantines on people traveling from certain countries. One of those is South Korea. I stopped in South Korea on my way here. Now I'm outside of a 14 day window. So I have that going for me, but I'm not traveling back through Hong Kong. I'm traveling back through Tokyo, but if they decide to make some kind of change, which I think is likely, I just don't know when. And why do I think it's likely? Because Tokyo is the home of the summer Olympics. And I think that they're going to try to do anything and everything they can to keep COVID-19 on the down low or to have it not spread so they don't cancel the Olympics. So if I manage to get to Tokyo and I manage to get out of Tokyo, I've then got Seattle to deal with. Um, what red flagged me on the way to that is San Francisco just put a three week ban. So I could possibly arrive in Seattle and get stuck there. Um, I believe I mentioned in the prior episode that my wife had mentioned, well, why don't you could drive home at least from there? I think it's fair to assume that there won't be rental cars. Now, I do believe that I will make it home. Uh, I sure hope that I do. Um, as far as my expectations when I arrive, um, for those listening, I will see if they've even happened before I this comes out, but I think we can expect domestic travel bans. I think they're going to try to shut down any and all unnecessary, all non-essential travel um, to try to limit people from contacting each other. Now, I would really, really, really like to just see this pass, much like most of you. And I think maybe if we could all just lock ourselves up for three weeks to a month, we may get past it. Now, what do I expect or fear or hope for or everything after that? I mean, who knows, man, I think it's going to be a completely different world. I think the world, the, the business world or any models or projections that 
you've been able to create or operate with uh, within up until now, I mean, throw them out the window. Um, it's going to be a different climate for a lot of different stuff. I don't think that life is just going to immediately return to normal. I do think that we get past this. Um, I think that the federal government is going to have to prop up a whole lot of stuff. They're talking about sending everybody a check for a thousand dollars. I think they're going to have to. There's too many people that live paycheck to paycheck that rely on specific forms of income that are going to be gone. And I mean, not only are they going to have to do that to keep people alive, they're going to have to do it to keep people from just wildly and rampantly stealing from everyone. So, you know, that's like a real thing. You know, it's like if we put a massive amount of the population in a desperate position. They're going to do desperate things. Um, and, you know, I, I've always promised to be canon. I'm trying to keep my own like opinions out of this. Definitely. Uh, this isn't a political issue, people. This is a health issue. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I think overall, I think the likelihood that a lot more people have this than we even believe is probably a reality. Um, God forbid that things go Italy on us, but if they do, we're a much larger country and we will have a much larger fallout. Um, so as far as like what I expect and fear and hope for, how is... I had that on my, my notes here. I'm hoping that things can return to normal. Uh, my fear is that this will take longer than we think. And honestly, I'm also afraid that I'm going to get stuck somewhere. Um, I'll tell you what, I've never been more paranoid about my own personal body temperature than I am now. Um, you know, if I am just a little bit too warm at any point in the stop, I could get thrown in what I've been calling germ jail. Now, if I am in fact sick and I don't feel sick, that's where I need to be. So that will make for some very interesting Corona diaries if I could even record them there. Um, now moving on, uh, you know, this shows about startups and business and stuff like that. So you know, as every day has gone past with this, I've been having to continually revise our approach. Um, last night, I had a meeting with our new sales team. That's right. We just literally had two new salespeople join us. And man, what a time. Um, but there's never been a more important time for us to be able to potentially seek and acquire business. Um there is an opportunity for us to provide services for a lot of people or businesses that will need them. Some will need the value. Some will just need access. Uh, there's definitely going to be some winners and some losers in this whole thing, but trying to figure out who, what, where, when, and why, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It's a, it's a lot to keep up with. So I don't really have um, I don't really have a whole lot of ways to accurately predict that or do anything other than just kind of like say, Hey, your guess is as good as mine. So, um, you know, overall, I mean, I think a lot of industries are going to greatly be crippled by this. And I think that thing, anything that involves tele, meaning telemedicine, telehealth, telelearning, um, that's another thing. They canceled Kansas schools for the rest of the school year. They're like, yeah, hopefully we'll see you back in August. You're starting to see a lot of this stuff pile up in timelines that really put you in the middle of the summer to the end of the summer. Um, I think that, that, that 
that really demonstrates that the expectation of the quote leaders, both business, political, or whatever you want to call it, are accepting the fact that this isn't a two week solution. So that's going to have a big, big impact on travel, dining, tourism, live events, um, a lot of the things that provide for that. And it just kind of goes on and on and on. Like you look at some things like home services or I don't know, like now on the flip side, Amazon just announced that they're planning on hiring. They have a hundred thousand new job openings. Why? Cause man, if ever a time to have home delivery or have an option like that, this is probably it. So that said, I mean, you look at like, that could be a godsend that those jobs are valuable and necessary and provide a part of the supply chain that we should thank private industry for even supplying. Now on the flip side of that, Amazon also said that they aren't going to allow any non-essential type items into their warehouse because they have to make room and focus on the delivery of the things you're talking, you know, food products, just personal, anything, any that they, you know, so overall, I mean, realistically, Amazon is going to benefit from this. Um, the people that once again, aren't going to benefit from it is, you know, like how's the mall looking or any of those retailers? Um, there's going to be a massive softening. Like I think overall retail is just about to shut down for, I don't mean for good. Well, some will, um, you're starting to see a lot of that when you look at the wall street journal, a lot of stuff. I mean, any and every company is revising their earnings forecast. How can you not? Um, now, as far as your business goes, um, you are likely eligible for some disaster relief. And let's talk about that for a second, because we are certainly aggressively moving towards this at full scale. Um, it, the bet to the best of how I can describe it is it has to start at the state level. States are able to declare the state a disaster zone, and that's going to occur uh, in a level and speed and accuracy that your state or local government can do it. You will have the ability to apply for federal loans. This isn't just free money but they're going to stretch it out. There's talking like up to maybe a $2 million cap on a loan. Um, it's going to be available, um, you know, somewhat based on a need, you're going to have to ha be able to prove on some level that you are, you know, that you're at a loss. Now, if you've lost revenue, if you've lost clients, if you've lost anything, you're probably going to apply. Now, they're saying a $50 billion allotment for that, man, that ain't even going to be enough. Um, that's a billion dollars per state. I know that sounds like a lot, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, it scratches the surface. So in the past SBA has had a reputation for being, well, let me just put it this way. Slow as fuck. I don't think they're going to have that ability this time through. I think that, they're going to be rubber stamping these things. Um, you know, and that, you know, that, that said, you know, if you can make a case for some kind of loss, then, and you probably can, because I can't imagine who can at this point, 
then you may be eligible. And once again, that's not going to be free money, but you might find yourself being able to get a one to $2 million loan and pay it back over 30 years with probably like a ridiculously low percentage that like 4%. I mean, a 30 year fixed at that kind of rate is, gee, I mean, you're looking at a minimal payment every month, less than 10 grand. Um, you know, that said that can, that can have that, that might be what you need. I just don't see how they're going to take their time and dishing that money out. So if you haven't considered SBA or that route in the past, it might be a good, a good route. You're certainly going to have to sign some kind of personal guarantee or have some kind of something to back it up. Um, you know, in my case, I mean, I probably, I mean, might as well sign my house or my something else with it. Cause if my business fails, I'm probably going to give all that up anyway. I know that doesn't sound great, but it's the truth. So you're going to have some tough decisions to make. Now that said, if you haven't prepared for that in the past, you need to start now. Um, it's a lot. You need to have a formal business plan, which by the way, go to liveplan.com and for $19 a month, it'll spit you out exactly what you need all the way down to the financial projections and the way that the bank's going to ask for it and you didn't want it. You're going to need to have a personal financial statement. You're going to have to have your tax returns prepared. You're going to have to have a whole lot ready to be able to adequately apply. And here's the thing. You don't want to get to your point in line and then be told no. Be told no because you don't have something stupid prepared. You can go to sba.gov. There's a checklist. Get it figured out. There's a lot to deal with there. So I mentioned earlier that I immediately began revising my approach. Now, I will tell you, no one knows the future or what's going to occur here. When I look back at all of this, I think that one of the things I'm going to be happy was with was we have aggressively modeled out so much. I mean, so much. It involves like looking at a ton of different scenarios um, and you know, that goes both ways, both for the expenses or the revenue. Um, I don't think you should assume that your clients can or will pay. I don't think that you should assume that you can or will find new business. And I also don't think you should assume that you can or will receive materials or supplies that you need to sell stuff. Um, meaning the supply chain is going to be taxed. And because you're going to see a lot of liquidity and other problems, uh, it can affect all parts of it. So whether you build software or you manufacture trash cans, you're going to have some kind of supply chain issue or vendor reliability issue to consider, which we went all the way down. So we first started by looking at our client base, who was at risk, who was most likely affected. I mentioned in a prior episode, we already had a client churn. They were the, they were the one client that we were fairly positive was going to churn and they did. And they kind of just threw their hands up in the air and they said, Hey, we're fucked. We quit. That's really how it went. Now, fortunately that was the client that generated the least amount of revenue on our whole client roster. So we have that going for us. Now I did, we have had some others kind of 
indicate that they may have some problems soon. I appreciated that. I think that you're in the best situation if you do be open with people about, hey, because look, it, whether you're the, the client or the vendor, if you want to have these relationships in the future, like after all this settles down and we come out of it, avoidance is not going to help that relationship later. We're all dealing with the same kind of problems in the same kind of ways. So really in the end, you just need to talk to people about it. And, you know, like regardless of where you are on the, on the vendor client, anything, or, you know, where all of that is or matters for you, like you need to try to preserve those relationships. You might find that there's a higher level of understanding and compassion and flexibility than you ever thought there would be. So, you know, just talk it out. Now, as far as revising our forward thinking approach, you know, as a company that provides tech services, we started looking at what industries are likely to be, to be in a situation of rapid need, like who is all of a sudden slammed, slammed. I mean, like who is without a doubt and massive need of help. And I don't mean like help, like they're, they're in distress. Because the last thing I need right now is a bunch of a bunch of non-paying clients. So, you know, with that, we were able to really kind of, you know, I'll give you I'll give you a couple examples. So, virtual learning, any company with virtual learning, according to Crunchbase, there's 870 different companies that provide virtual learning environments. Now, with school and everything being canceled. That's a big deal. How about telemedicine, video communication, esports, online collaboration? How about disaster recovery as a service? Yeah, that's an actual thing. D R A A S, disaster recovery as a service, or health tracking, anything like that. Um, anything, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, the healthcare system's about to get strained. So, like I said, you may have to pivot your approach. Um, big time. So, you know, that's, that's a big thing. Now, over this last two weeks, um, I learned a lot about business planning. I did document so much of it along the way because I was having to create policy and documents and just different stuff. And I had an outline. So I put it into a blog. I put it into a blog format and I published it on the full scale website. Um, I'm going to put a link to it in the, in the notes and it, I think you'll find it helpful. And that's what I want to, and I've talked about some of it, but you know, there's some things that you need to, if you haven't already considered, you, you need to, or you're going to be forced to, such as should you send all of your employees home from work? Should you even allow access to your facilities? How and what are the short, medium, and long-term term effects of coronavirus on your business? Do you have a basic and advanced continuity plan? Do you have improved security and communication protocols? What's your cash flow and future business planning outlook? How, how about creating specific and meaningful COVID-19 policies? Do you have that? Like, what are you going to want to talk about that here in a second? 
How do you communicate with your vendors? What kind of supply chain interruptions could occur? How to communicate with your employees and what decisions and actions and communications are a priority? And I think that last one's really important. So I'm going to breeze through some of these because I don't think they require a whole lot. You can look at the article for more detail. You know, should you send all your employees home from work due to COVID-19? Yeah. Yeah. It's time, people. Let's just wrap your arms around it because it's probably going to ha- you're probably going to be forced to anyway. Um, you know, Las Vegas just required any non-essential businesses to shut. Like that's casinos, bars, the mall, all of it. That affects a lot of people. It's 30 day, 30 day closure. So yes, you probably should unless what you do is remarkably vital to the economy. Should you allow access to your offices or facilities during that time? Well, that's kind of up to you. Um, I, you know, I mentioned we shut the office, the full scale office down here. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that the employee, we had some employees that were still showing up and I started asking them because I was there. I said, say, why are you here? Well, my internet's faster here. Okay. Do you have internet at home? Yes. It's just not fast as it is here. All right. Well, you need to go make the best of it. So we shut the office that we gave, we did give a little notice on that. So there's about 36 more hours. That's going to give anybody the ability if they had to come pick something up or whatever, and then we're locking it down. We're not opening it back up till April 6th. Now that's going to, you know, if you're going to do that, you need to give some consideration to how are you going to unlock it? How do you manage it? How do you secure it? How do you look, you know, how do you keep up with it? If you already have security cameras or biometric scans, like we do, we have a lot of accountability for who's coming in and out of the office, both visually and, like I said, from a biometric standpoint. All right. So how and what are the short, medium and long term effects on your business? Man, that is it is going <laughs> that is going to be different for everybody. I mean, you can expect to drop an overall business activity. I mean, count on that. Um, there's no sector or part of business that hasn't been affected. You can expect supply chain disruptions in somewhat predictable and often not predictable ways. Um, and you can expect a sharp drop in travel and meetings. Um, if your business depends on meetings at the same time, you might be able to do like use something like zoom and try to set up more meetings while overall people will feel and seem a lot less accessible at the same time you might find a level of accessibility. Uh, people are at home. They might not be distracted by the things that they usually are at the office. Now, as far as the short and medium, you know, overall just effects, I mean, you, you know, you need your cash runway. That was one of the things that with our revised approach and plan, and we really had to look at, like, how much cash do we have? Um, I don't think that you can count on collecting new money. And some of these things like disaster relief and different loans, like, man, they're going to take a little bit to get set up. Like, it's just gonna, it's just the way it's going to be. Um, your ability to attract investors is going to be short, is going to be less. Your sales forecasts, forget about them. I mean, you can't, any anything that, any of your reliability related to marketing, your ability to assume the cost of acquisition, anything is now questionable. You know, there's, and why? Because it's just not predictable. It's not something that 
any past data is going to give you info. Um, I think you can start assuming that if you can't pay people, they might quit. I mean, people have, in the end have to take care of themselves. If they don't own the business, they're going to not have the level of, they're not going to have the level of loyalty and attachment to it that you, that you do. And they will, you know, people have to take care of themselves and their families. That's where that mentality is going to go to. Um, if you had planned some kind of expansion, see full scale, I, you know, a month ago, I was fully, I was, we were planning on having 400 employees in a year. Now that said, if we take the right approach. We do the right thing. I'm not going to have 800. I don't know. I mean, I, I, there's always opportunities and stuff, but it's difficult. So you got to be, you got, you have to have a level of caution with your capital expenses. So, you know, as far as midterm stuff goes, and I, I hit this up in the article that I wrote, I had some predictions for midterm expectations. I think you can expect increased bankruptcy and business failure. Um, there's people that are already failing. I mean, they're just like, it's game over. Um, they don't, they were already questionably in business and you know, the, the Darwinistic concept is already, already put them out. The trickle down effects from slow to no pay receivables is gonna start to kick in as the timeline of this continues. I think you're going to find very slow growth and hiring and expansion for all levels of business activity. Um, I think you're going to see tightening in credit and short-term availability of capital. I'll give you an example. We have a business line of credit through Cabbage. And I was curious and I went and looked at it. They cut the total max amount that we could draw. Now that said, but I wasn't about to draw the money, but they removed it because their companies like that are trying to mitigate their downside. They're trying to make sure that they're not getting screwed. And that's a reasonable thing. So, you know, overall, I think that you're going to see a lot of that. I don't think you're going to see a quick return to normalcy. I think there's going to be, uh, I think it's going to take a little bit. So, Overall, you should be, or if you're not doing it, you're behind, but you need to have a basic and advanced continuity plan. And that can include a number of things. What can you do to cut costs now, but do so in a way that doesn't destroy your business later? Which of your clients, vendors, or accounts are at the highest risk for churning, slow paying, or likely to become problematic? What are you doing what are you going to do if or when your revenue suddenly drops? If you have to make tough decisions about letting employees go, who would that be and why? Look, you're just, it's, it's a model. You just have to think about it and see how and where the math adds up. What are you covered for? Do you have an insurance policy? Because some insurance policies might have you covered. We went and looked at ours. It did not. Cause there was literally a clause in it that said it didn't, it didn't cover viral contagion. Tell you what, these people that write these policies, they've thought a lot of this out. What are you not covered for when it comes for insurance? Where are your liabilities? Where are you in bad shape? How are you going to communicate with your staff when or if things aren't quote normal? 
Do you have a protocol when it comes to communicating essential information? Who's authorized to communicate to all of your employees or vendors and who's not? Think this out ahead of time because if you're trying to figure it out when shit hits the fan, it's too late. You're going to be making panic decisions. Who has security access to your building and assets? And who doesn't that might need it? Don't assume that people can just get or will actually show up. People are scared right now. We're being told to lock ourselves up in our homes. Telling someone to go down to the office and lock the door or do something like that, it might not be reasonable. Then what's the order of operations when it comes to leadership, decision-making, or who to contact? And is it well known by your employees? We made a simple chart. Our simple chart just shows like, do this, do that. This is who you call here. This is who you call first. So overall, you're going to need, you really should be creating an improved security and communication protocol. It can be created quick and easily. You know, so I'll give you an example. We created a security protocol for items to consider during what I'm now referring to as COVID-19 2020. Who has access to our facilities? How are we accounting for our assets? How can we quickly secure our facilities and assets? In the event that someone critical can't come lock down the place, who can? Do we have remote access set up? Meaning can we access computers, systems, locks, cameras, any of that? And do we have access to security cameras or other stuff outside of our own facility? Meaning can you only access this stuff inside the building? You know, for some of these things, if you have a computer or server, you can install something like TeamViewer on it. It's free. You can connect to it and see that screen or that input-output from anywhere that you have access to TeamViewer. Do you have the ability to deny access to facilities from afar? We can shut off our biometric finger scanners with a click of one button. That's a good thing to be able to do. As far as communication, you got to think about like and define who should you who should you contact in the event in the event of insert event here. That order of operations is important. Define it. Who decides what information can be sent out to all of your employees? You don't want nine people disseminating information or putting information out that is bad, panicky, or not true. If someone reports specific things like like a positive COVID-19 test, what information do we gather and how do we assess the priority? Meaning, what do you do if someone says they have COVID-19? For us, we first start by turning off their biometric fingerprint scan and ability to unlock the door and enter our office. That's just safety. We also decided that we needed to go and look and see what their history was of what their history was of who they'd been around. We can do that because we have accountability. We see the time clock records. We see the fingerprint scanning records. Why do we do that? Because we need to notify other people, hey, you've been around someone that might be a problem, which means you might be a problem. Next, how will we communicate from remote locations? How do we talk to each other? What's our protocol for that? And then also, do we have proper bandwidth and infrastructure to ensure reasonable communication? Don't rely on things that you might normally rely on. 
You know, like if shit hits the fan, you usually can't pick up the phone and dial. The circuits are busy. Bandwidth is slow. As far as cash flow and future business planning, I mean, once again, give some review to what clients are likely affected, what vendors could be affected, what lines of credit do you have access to, uh, you know, what vendors are likely to work with you. If you slow pay, who will, who will you deal with? How will you deal with slow or no pay clients? Which of your expenses are a priority if you have to choose? Where can you cut expenses? How can or will you pay employees if cash flow dries up? How will you talk to them about it? How long will it take to get assistance from disaster relief or insurance? In regards to creating a meaningful COVID-19 business policy, I got a few tips there for you. Where do you stand on employees that are showing symptoms or employees that have been exposed? You need to clearly define this. Look, if you're showing symptoms, do not come around here. If you have been exposed to others, do not come around here. We actually, before we decided to shut the office, we disallowed people to come to the office who also lived with healthcare providers, meaning we made it mandatory that you had to work from home. Why? Because those healthcare providers presented a higher risk of being exposed if they were potentially treating other people that had the virus. How will you require any clients, customers, or employees showing symptoms to self-report and to whom? What are you going to do if you're open and some dude comes in, he's sneezing, he's coughing, he's sweating, he's got a fever? How are you going to deal with that? How will you track or figure out who the exposed person came into contact with? What's your overall policy regarding cleanliness, hygiene, and methods of keeping yourself, clients, and employees in low-risk situations? What do you do if you have an employee that's on site showing symptoms, but he, ha- he or she hasn't been embracing the policy? Our policy is that we would tell you to leave, go home, get well. What length or should, should you or will you require employees to self-quarantine if they self-report? And what's your policy for use of personal time off or sick leave for those that are testing positive? You're going to have these questions if they come up. In regards to communicating with your vendors, I mentioned that you should be open with them, you know, be open and honest about the situation. Expect, you can expect longer timeframes for overall communication right now for everything and everyone. Ask for extensions or longer payment terms if you need. Ask about the likelihood or supply line being cut off. Ask about possible expectations of delay because that's possible. Communicate your COVID-19 policies if possible. Like maybe if they make deliveries, like in the event that your driver shows up showing symptoms, we may not accept the delivery. Remember, you want to keep these relationships for later. You know, that people are people and, and this is going to matter. The way you handle some of this is going to determine whether people want to do business with or not with you later. And also consider being responsive yourself. You might be holding things up. Your decisions or your input might be vital for someone else. And finally, offer flexibility for delivery or other response times if you need it. We are not within normal working protocol. As far as like the supply chain goes, I think that there's some things that you're likely going to see as issues. Food and groceries. Medicine and other OTC over-the-counter type products, 
think anything that comes from or relies on China is questionably already been constrained. And even though they're opening back up, remember, it takes time for stuff to get over the seas and deal with everything and the processes it goes through. Not to mention, if it's backing up, it takes even longer. At one point, we cut off or slowed down incoming stuff from China. And when they resumed, there was a massive backlog. Everything slowed down. Anything that comes from Europe right now um, is going to be slowed down. We're not letting flights in. We're not letting a lot of stuff. The areas that are ahead of us when it comes to the pandemic are very much struggling to do a lot of stuff right now. I think you can find increased competition for things that are that are in pricing on scarce items. So overall slowness and delivery, I think you'll find an increased lack of accountability because the supply chain is stressed. People are trying to figure stuff out. Decreased access to raw materials and an overall shortage of delivery people. They're working full tilt too. So, you know, as far as that, that goes, I mean... I think those are all fair points. Now, when it comes to decisions and actions and communications, you're going to have to start to determine what is a priority and what isn't. Maybe you've already run into this, but you're going to have a lot flying at you and you're going to have to prioritize. I think that in times of crisis, leaders rise up to the task or they simply fail. And so much of it has to do with the priority in which they choose to do things. So what are you going to choose? I'm going to give you some tips. Is the safety or well-being of people or the business depending on my action? That's high priority. How many employees, clients, vendors, or people are waiting on my response or affected by my response? If I don't act on this now, how serious can or could the consequences be? I mean, that's, there's a lot of time-sensitive stuff going on right now. How many others are waiting on a task or decision in order to do their jobs or make their own decisions? Are you holding up 19 other people or things based on a decision? And then if I don't act now, will I no longer have the possibility of doing that later? Once again, reasonable. Now, overall, we're in trying times. There's a whole lot going on. There's a whole lot of things to consider. And, you know, I, I once again want to tell you that, you know, you're not the only one. I am also experiencing anxiety, fear, depression, stress, and exhaustion. I think Tom Petty said it best when he said the waiting is the hardest part. And I'm finding that to be the case with myself. I just want you to know, I mean, you're not alone. I, I do believe that we're going to get past this and that there are a lot of people and businesses experiencing the exact same stuff you are. It's a great time to share, compare, and perhaps lead with those around you. I'm trying to do that myself by recording these amidst everything else that's going on. It makes me feel better to know that other people are listening and that I might be helping them. I hope that something I went over here, or at least maybe you being able to follow this fucked up story of me wondering if I'm getting back around the world during a global pandemic. I mean, man, I'm not, you know, like it's, it's interesting. Um, I think that 
we all have our own story. It's all going to be a little different. I do think we're going to get through this, but man, what a time to get together, to bond, to help each other out. I mean, we need each other. We need each other's businesses and everything else to exist going forward. So once again, thank you for tuning in. I'm going to continue publishing these. Hopefully the next one of these that comes out is my arrival at my home to be around my family. I want that to be an amazing story of victory. Hopefully I don't have a whole bunch of stories to tell about how terrible the travel was. See y'all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle. Cause, 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 no one can do.